because there's something I want to I want to share with you before we continue to lift God up in song. And just to be clear, I'm not going to spend any time talking about the you know the whole marriage decision and whatever, uh, because we're here to celebrate Jesus. But what I do want to talk about is the spirit of fear that seems to have gripped Christians and churches that like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? What's becoming of our world? And it seems like we've forgotten that our mission and our purpose is to share the love of Christ and show the love of Christ to the lost. And it's not that we're here to argue with people who disagree with us because I was, just, <laughs> I was just talking to Herb saying that no matter what we do, people are going to disagree with us. People are going to be offended by what we do. But what's really important is that we continue to share and show the love of Christ. And the reason that why we need to keep doing it is because we do live in a world where there are, can you turn like the, the high on my microphone down just a tab? Okay, all right. Maybe turn the volume down just a tab. Sorry. Is that better? Chat, can you guys still hear me though? Okay, good. Uh, because there's, there's, there's a reason why we're here. And it's not to tell the lost people that don't know God and are separated from God that you need to be living like God. It's to go to those people that are separated from God and introduce them to our God and show them that we have a God that loves them. And if we get off focus on, on sharing and showing the love of Christ to people, there are people in our schools, uh, in our families that are hurting, that are in need, that desperately want to know if there's a God that loves them. And the only way that they're going to find out the only way that they're going to know that there's a God that can help them through their situation, that can heal their marriages, that can heal their broken families, that can help them through whatever they're going through, is if we go to them and say, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're living your life sexually outside of God's will or with some drug addiction outside of God's will, or if you feel like I'm going happy-go-lucky, nothing's wrong with my life, but you're separated from the love of God. Our job remains the same, to go to the lost, the hurting, the lonely, and everyone we know, and let them know that there is a God that loves them. God, we pray that regardless of what we see happening in our nation, or even in our community, regardless of what government may or may not do, regardless of the influence of other nations or people groups or anyone on this planet, that we would continue to boldly proclaim in your name your love for us and your love for humanity. God, we pray that we wouldn't just sing about it in here, but every day that we would live our lives in a way that screams and shouts to those that are hurting, those that are seeking you, those that are desperate to know your love, that there is a God that loves us. God, we pray that you would bless us as we continue to share, as we continue to open your word, as we continue to lift our voices in song. And we pray that not only would you bless us, but that everything that we do this morning would be a blessing to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.
Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, We are continuing our series this morning, uh, and uh, believe it or not, we come to a place of extreme controversy in our series, uh, and not the one that you've been reading about on Facebook all this week, Uh, but um, the whole reason we're doing this series, the whole goal of it is to allow us and equip us to be able to have conversations with people about our God and about things that they may not agree with us on. And let's face it, uh, we believe in a spiritual God who created everything, who you can't see, but who shows us amazing love that we can feel. And that's hard for some people to swallow. But the whole series uh, is based on equipping us to be able to have some of those conversations. Um, and the first week, uh, we talked about the fact that there are people who believe there that there is no God, and we talked about the different places people may be coming from. Theism is like God made all, but there are a lot of people who believe that, yes, there is a God who made all, but they don't believe it's the same God that we believe in. Uh, We talked about pantheism, that people believe that there is a God, but he's in everything. God's in the trees, he's in the seas, he's in the moon, the stars, and there are people that, you know, worship those things because they believe God is in those things. And then we talked about atheism, which is the belief in no God at all, and agnostic is a person who kind of believes, well, I don't have enough information to firmly grasp either one of those and make a decision, all right? And uh, last week, we talked about people who said that, you know, the Bible is fake and I don't believe anything in it. We said God reveals himself to humanity through creation. Uh, we see that. We're going to talk more about that today. Uh, through moral conscience, and we're going to talk Uh, about that in a couple of weeks, Uh, uh, a set consciousness that God reveals to humanity. And I said one of the examples is, hey, if there's no moral conscience, there's no defining what's right or what's wrong, then World War II should have never happened because everything Hitler did by eliminating an entire or trying to eliminate an entire race of people should have been okay, right, if there's no moral conscience. Uh, But we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, And then we said that God reveals himself to humanity through the Bible, And one of the reasons why we can believe the Bible is because the Bible, uh, biblical Christianity, because there are some religions and denominations that have say, yes, this is real, but then they've written their own book that says Trump's this. But we're talking about biblical Christianity, and the reason we believe it is because it lines up with historical evidence, and we talked a little bit about that uh, last week. It lines up with archaeological discovery, and it lines up with eyewitness testimony, that there are people who say, yeah, I've, 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 this is what I've witnessed. I've witnessed these miracles of God. They've documented it. And the only reason why people refute it is because it doesn't line up with what they either want to believe or reject about God. Um, so now we come to an area that even some Christians divide over, and that's the area of science and scientific discovery. And, and let me say, first of all, because I've had conversations with people I, I love science. I believe science is awesome. I love high-tech things. I love geeky things. Did anyone ever watch the show called BattleBots? Awesome. It is, okay, I'm going to get off on a tangent, but it is awesome. And there are engineers who created these robots that fight and blow stuff up. Anyway, science. Love it. Uh, and, and, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some of the scientific things over the next couple of weeks, not to refute and say, you're bad, we're good, you're wrong, we're right, but to say, let's look at the evidence 
uh, and, and understand what science talks about. Because now, uh, here's the first thing. Um, I, I want to set a definition of what science is. And so I didn't get this off the Internet. I actually went to the library and looked up these definitions in a dictionary. How many people remember dictionaries? Okay, yeah. Uh, they are antiquated by some people's things. But they I had to, there was only two in the whole library. Like, you know how you used to go to the library and there's dictionaries and resource material? There were like two dictionaries and I had to hunt those down. But uh, I picked up two different ones. The first is the Oxford Advanced American Dictionary. And this is what it says. Science, definition, knowledge about the structure and behavior of the natural and physical world based on facts that you can prove, for example, by experiments. And then, of course, the study of science. So that's what they define as science. It's okay, and I was trying to find one of the older, older edition dictionaries because they, uh, 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 this is more of a new-ish, within the last 20 to 25 years, definitions. And for those who say, Floyd, you're making that up, I went to the, uh, an older Merriam-Webster's dictionary, and this is the way they define it. The state of knowing, knowledge as distinguished from ignorance or misunderstanding, which is a great way to phrase that. Number two, knowledge or a system of knowledge covering general truths, general, generalized truths, or the operation of general laws, and here's the key, especially as obtained and tested through scientific method. One definition says it's what you can prove. In today's culture, I can prove a lot of things. You know, I can prove I'm that prince from Nigeria who's been asking you, let me send you a million bucks. Just give me your account. If you, if you let me, I can prove that to you. That doesn't mean it's true. Okay? But I prefer a definition that says things that are obtained and tested through a scientific method. All right? So uh, I, I, I mash these together, and this is the working definition that we're going to use uh, for the next two weeks. Uh, science, knowledge covering general truths or the operation of general laws about the structure and behavior of the natural and physical world. Now, natural may include things that are in the world that we can't see, but they're a natural part of our existence. We can't see air. It's a natural part of, of our world. Uh, distinguished from misunderstanding, especially as obtained and tested through scientific method. So we're not looking for things that someone can prove. We're looking for things that have been tested, tried, and, and, and these have come out as like, yes, these are facts. And this is important uh, because what we're going to talk about, um, um, some people, everything that we're going to talk about scientifically, people will say that conflicts, you know, the Bible conflicts with science or science conflicts with the Bible. And, and let me say this clearly, there is not one single solitary fact from the Bible that we believe is true, anything in here, that conflicts with a scientific fact. Any scientific discovery that has been obtained and tested through scientific method. Now let me put this up here because I, I want you guys to, to like totally hear what I'm saying. There is not one, not one single scientific fact that refutes, disagrees with, or contradicts anything, anything written in the Bible. Not one thing. And I know you all are going, but, 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 and you're, you're counting down things in your mind. So let me add this, okay? And remember, our definition, what is scientifically proven. There are, however, scientific theories. They have not been proven. They're theories that conflict with the Bible. And there are biblical theories 
that conflict with science, but no scientific fact that conflicts with a biblical one. Now, what I mean by that is because there are things in the Bible that are not defined and explained, and so people have come up with theories or reasons, this must be why this is this way, and that contradicts scientific fact. But just because I speculate on something that the Bible is silent on doesn't mean what I speculated on is right. That's just my opinion or my speculation. And just because someone comes up with a scientific theory that has not been tested and proven by scientific method and says, and everyone jumps on the bandwagon and says, this scientific theory is true, even though it hasn't been tested or proven by scientific method, it may, that theory may conflict with the Bible, but that scientific facts, the things that we know have been tested and proven, they do not conflict. So this is why last week we started, uh, and again, thanks to Stephen for, for streaming this out, because I wanted to jump right into this. He was like, since a lot of our foundation of what we believe comes out of the Bible, maybe we should start with letting people know that the stuff in here is true. And it's real. Because if they don't know that and they don't believe that, then a lot of this other stuff isn't going to make sense. All right? So uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn. We're going to start in the beginning, in the book of Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. But while you're turning there, let me give you some background on the Bible. It's going to help us better understand what we're talking about and also help us better communicate it, be better at communicating some of the stuff in it to other people. All right? So here's the first thing that we need to understand about the Bible and and. I'm not, I'm not, I have nothing against scientists. I love science. I love geeks. I love, like, the, especially the ones that take time on their own and use their engineering skills to build robots that kill each other. That's just awesome. But here's, here's the thing we understand. The Bible is not a scientific journal, okay? It's not. The Bible is not a scientific journal. It's not here to describe how God did things. It's not here to describe how God created the universe. It's not here to describe how God puts his spirit into man. It's not here to describe how God did things, but to reveal to humanity what things God did. So you cannot go, it would be the equivalent of going to a history book and looking at someone who documented things that occurred in history and saying, well, where's the scientific evidence that they tried to test and prove it? Well, a historian will tell you their thing is to look at history and things that occurred and document it so that future generations can look back and say, wow, this is where we came from. This is what happened. And they will add in, as you see in like a lot of the Bible, uh, other things and places that we can verify so we know that what they're saying is true. But the Bible is not a scientific journal. It's not there to reveal all the scientific things and the questions that a lot of people have. All right. So. Now, here, here's another thing. This is, this is important. The Bible, every single word of it is true. The Bible reveals truth. But, and this is, this is where some people have, have, have a lot of problem. It reveals truth, but not all of it is a literal translation of what happened in history. When you read through the Psalms, the Psalm that, that uh, Shirley read this morning is not there to say this is exactly how history took place. It is there to say a group of people, or whoever wrote, and I can't remember who wrote Psalm 47, wanted to cry out and share what God had put in their heart 
to be shared with other people so that we would know that there is a reason why we should be shouting from the mountaintops that our God reigns. Okay, so there are songs in the Bible, there are psalms, there are parts that are history, there are parts that are testimony, so it is all truth revealed through different liter lit literal literary forms. That's the phrase I'm looking for. So some of it is revealed in songs, and anyone who's, you know, we got a lot of musicians, you know, not every, so every word of every song is true, but there are songs about tragedies that have happened in our history. And there are uh, both secular and Christian musicians who wrote songs about the nine people that were killed in Charleston. Now, every word of their song was not a true historic event of here's what happened. The guy walked in and da-da-da. But every word of that song revealed the truth of either the pain that someone was feeling or the sorrow or the anger. So every word of the Bible reveals truth and it reveals it through songs, it reveals it through uh, uh, written poetry, it reveals it through personal testimonies of people. And uh, I say all that to get to this, because there's a lot of people that ask, should the Bible be taken literally? And, and here's the response that I usually tell them. It's not a question of, should it be taken literally? The question is, should it be taken truthfully? And the answer is yes. Because even the parts that you, I can't take this psalm literally for what it's saying, but there is truth being revealed through it that I can understand and I can grasp. Does that make sense? Does everybody, yeah, yeah, okay, good, 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 good. All right, so uh, now with that in mind, uh, let's jump into Genesis chapter 1. And if you're not sure where that is, I'm pretty sure in all of your Bibles it's page 1. So Genesis chapter 1, uh, in verse 1 it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now let me, let me clarify a little bit of this, uh, because this is where, you know, a lot of people will say, how can that be? How did this, you know, and, and it, it will, they say it, it just doesn't match up with scientific discovery. Now here's the thing, the phrase in the beginning, uh, in the Hebrew, it's one word, and that word is used to describe either the first or primary, or premier, or the chiefest of events, if that makes sense. The most primary or first thing that happened. So, you know, we say it's in the beginning because the first thing that happened is the universe was created. And, and, and that lines up scientifically. Uh, science says, hey, that, you know, the universe, they say, they previously thought it had always existed, that it was eternal. And then through scientific discovery, they found out that, no, the universe had a beginning. It did not always exist. And uh, even I think Albert Einstein was one of the people who was trying to prove that it always existed. But his scientific discovery proved himself wrong, that it did not always exist, that it had a starting point. Uh, so the primary or first event that happened is God created the heavens and the earth. And the heavens, now for us, these are like the visible, we think, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's that place where God lives. No, the heavens is that word for the visible heavens, the stars, the universe, and all that it contains. That's what God created, all the stars, all the galaxies. And this is where a lot of people will get into debate. Well, you say God created it. Now, and, and here's the thing that I try to focus on when I'm talking to people. Look, we both agree, science and, and you know, biblical Christianity, that the universe had a beginning. That all time, space, matter, everything 
started somewhere. We all agree. Science agrees. Uh, the Bible agrees. Uh, now, from a scientific perspective, uh, they used to believe it was eternal. Now they believe that it had a starting point. It was a starting point for the universe, and it was a guy named uh, Edwin Hubble. How many people have heard of the Hubble telescope? Yeah, Edwin Hubble, 1926, 727, 1920-something. That's the technical term. 1920-something, he discovered and saw um, through his telescope the first signs that the universe was expanding as if it had a starting point. And at one point, uh, Albert Einstein came over, looked through his telescope and said, wow, I was right, which is a shame because I thought, you know, Albert Einstein thought it was eternal, but his his scientific findings said it, it wasn't eternal. So we all agree that there was a starting point to the universe. All space, all time, all matter, everything had a starting point. And in science, um, here's the term that they use. They now say, hey, the universe was not eternal, it had a starting point. That means that if it had a starting point and it's expanding, there was something that caused it to expand. And there's a scientific term called the law of causality, which says if there was a an, an effect, we see the universe expanding, then there was a cause that made that effect, the result that we see happen. And true scientific discovery is to look and say, what is the cause of the effect that we are seeing? Newton said, what is the cause of the bump on my head? Oh, it was an apple. Well, what caused the apple to drop in through scientific discovery, gravity, and all that stuff? Please tell me they still teach that in school, right? Okay, okay. But there is, so scientific discovery is saying, hey, I see something happening. Let's, through testing and evaluation and research, find out what is the cause. Here's, here's where, again, science and the Bible agree. The universe, everything in it, had a starting point. Here's where we disagree. They say there's some unknown cause. We don't know what it is. We say it was God creating it for humanity. Okay, so they don't have, uh, haven't discovered a scientific cause. We have God saying, yeah, I am the cause. I caused the universe to come into existence, all right? Now, keep reading. Genesis chapter, or chapter 1, verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And uh, let me just stop there for a quick second, because this is also another, for lack of a better term, um, a bone of contention between science and the Bible. Because scientists say, hey, you know what? Well, let me put it this way. This is, even though scientists and the Bible disagree on, on this, this is where they actually agree. Scientists say that there was an event uh, called when the Big Bang happened, and again, scientists agree to disagree with the Bible, but they disagree with how things happen because we can't go back and test the creation of the universe. If you ever see where they have successfully gone back, scientists have successfully gone back and tested the creation of the universe, it is proof that in order to create a universe, you need some type of intelligent intervention. I mean, if they can do it, then that means someone else did it, unless you see a universe pop into existence on its own. I just lost a whole bunch of you. Just hang in there. Bear with me. Bear with me. All right, so they say that the Big Bang happened, and within three minutes, 
depending on which scientist you believe, light was formed by a process called Big Bang Nucleosynthesis. Make sense? That when, when there was light didn't exist, nothing existed, this explosion happened, and in that explosion, light was formed, but depending on which scientist you Google, read, whatever, some say that it happened within minutes, Others say that it happened within hundreds of thousands of years because even though light was formed, there were no objects for a while to reflect the light. So there was complete darkness. God says that there was darkness, and he said, let there be light, and then there was light. And he said the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Now, the word there for light uh, and this is where, again, scientists argue, is not light like we think a light bulb. It's the actual illumination of, of light. It's not talking about an object that reflects light. It is talking about the, the light that is reflected. That's what God created. And scientists agree that, yeah, you can't have things reflect light until light exists. And they say light existed and came into being at the Big Bang. And God said light existed because I said, let there be light. All right? So now, here's some other things just quickly to jump through this. Uh, we all agree, universe had a start. We say God did it. Science says there was this explosion that did it. Now here's some other things that quickly that the Bible says about creation. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 45, this is the Amplified Version, uh, Isaiah is, is, is revealing to us what God has revealed to him, and that is that I, God, made the earth and created man upon it. So the earth was uh, not, not just something that just happened. It was specifically created by God. And he says, I with my hands stretched out the heavens and I commanded all their host. And scientists agree. And it boggles some of their minds. Even the ones who say there's no way there's a God agree that there is a specific intentional design to the universe. Galaxies that are nowhere near us, their existence is crucial to the galaxies that are near them, which is crucial to the galaxies that are near them, which is crucial to our galaxy's existence. There is all intricately intertwined. And it seems like it was designed so that the whole universe would operate together. And God says, yeah, I did that. And long before, uh, and I think Isaiah was written somewhere around seven, 800s B.C., can't remember exactly which, so well over 2,000 years before, you know, we said, oh, the universe is expanding. God said, yeah, I stretched it out. It was me. And there's no conflict there. It's in perfect agreement with science. And he says, God says, yeah, I commanded all their hosts. I intricately put every star, every every planet, every moon, every galaxy is where it needs to be. And science say, yeah, it's like a perfect design, but it happened spontaneously and it happened without anyone's intervention. And we say it happened because of God. In the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews tells us this. He says, by trusting, this is the complete Jewish Bible version, by trusting, we understand, now that's us as Christ followers, and by trusting it, in, in your Bible, it probably says we put our faith in, or by faith, we understand that the universe was created through a spoken word of God so that what is seen did not come into being out of existing phenomena. And again, scientists are amazed because they say everything that exists in the universe only exists because of what they call the Big Bang. Nothing 
There was like nothing before, and everything that we know, everything that we see only exists now and came into being. All the different things that we see in the universe only came into being, and we say it came into being because there was nothing there but God spoke it into being. That God's the one who did it. And this, this final verse, uh, I want to close with, and we've talked about this before. Because Paul writes to a church in Colossae, and he says, and this is the message version, which is kind of like a paraphrase, but I just love the way they put it. Because it says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. Now, here's, here's the scientific theory, just to go back. Scientific theory says that nothing existed. Everything came into existence at the Big Bang. Now, that's our current scientific theories say that that's impossible. It says that energy cannot be created by nothing. There must be some other type of energy in order to create it. So the scientific theory says nothing existed, but everything came into being. But here we're told what existed was not nothing. There was an eternal God who has always existed, who always will be, and he created the universe which matches up with the law of causality. And the law of causality, meaning there's something cause and effect, you can't have nothing bring something into being and cause and effect on something. But if there is an eternal God, you can have an eternal God who has always existed create a universe that did not exist before. Now here, I'm going to close with this because this is... Uh, this is the last thing. Two points as we close. Uh, I'm going to follow up with Genesis 14 and 15. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. So God created light in the verses we looked at before. But then here it says, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky. That word lights is different from the first word lights. The first word lights was the illumination of lights. This lights is let there be objects that give off light. Totally different Hebrew word. And this is so cool. He says, let them be in the sky to separate the day and the night. But more importantly, let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. Who needs seasons and days and years? We do. God put them there for this purpose, for us, so that we're able to tell time, so that we're able to know when to plow and when to plant and when to seed. I'm from New York, so I know nothing about farming. But all of that was done so that we the object of God's love might be physical recipients of God's love. And so that we would be sustained while we experience God's love. All of this he did for us. There's a reason why there are billions of galaxies all independent but intricately related to one another and why our galaxy just happens to be in the right place, the only place that we've found so far, that seems like, it doesn't just seem like it can hold life, 
it does hold life. There's a reason why we're on this planet. Because if we were on any other one in our solar system, we wouldn't be humans. Who knows what we would be? It'd be cool to find out, and that would be a great TV show. But there's a reason why we're here, why we're able to live, why we're able to breathe. And although many of us only experience two seasons in Pittsburgh, while we as a world have all the seasons that we do, it's because God did it for us. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and as they do, I want to share this final thing with you. Because, again, we, we, we call this series, I have a friend who says, because we all have friends who, who say these things to us and talk to these things about these things with us, and our goal, like we said, is to talk to them in a God-honoring way and respond to them with gentleness and respect. Not to s- argue with them like you've been, I don't know if you've been seeing, like I've been seeing nothing but arguing over the last couple of days, but to be able to say, here's why I believe what I believe. It's not some blind thing that I just blindly am following. There is solid scientific evidence. There is solid foundation, a solid reason why I believe that God exists. So uh, to, the p- to the friend who says science trumps the Bible and the Big Bang created the universe, uh, here's what I say. Scientific facts complement the Bible. And the Bible and science agree that the universe was created, and you and I can talk about whether it was by an explosion or whether it was by an act of explosive love. Because if we're not willing to sit down and talk with people and point them to Christ, then we're wasting our time. And I found this, this, um, this before we uh, thing, I found this comic online, and there's one guy saying, you know, I just had a big debate with some evolution-pushing atheist, and I hit him hard with the what, the where, the when, and the how of creation. And the other guy responds, but did you tell them about the who of creation? If all you're looking to do is to win an argument and say, I'm right, then you're missing the point. If we're not pointing them to Jesus Christ, then we're not doing anything at all. God, we are in awe of your holiness and awe of your love that you show to us. And when we look out at the stars and the sky and we see just all of your creation, rather than argue about it and debate about it and yell and scream about it, allow us to remember that you created this for us. That you created all of this for us. God, I pray that as we leave this place and whatever conversations we have, whether they be online in coffee shops and sitting in our cubicle, sitting on our couches, huddled around, poolside or wherever we may be, that we continue to share with people the amazing love that you have for us, the beauty of your creation that you created for us, and the most important thing, sent your son to die for us so that we would not have to spend an eternity separated from you. God, we give you all praise and glory this morning. Thank you for just allowing us to gather. We pray that you would be blessed by everything that we've done and everything that we will continue to do to shout from the mountain that our God reigns. We pray this in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen, amen.